My subject this morning is <clears throat> trying harder. This is the last of the series that we uh, put out on that postcard, the last uh, message on Galatians. But we start our study way back in the Garden of Eden. Adam is talking to God, and God is saying to Adam after he sinned, where are you? And this is Genesis 3.10. The Bible says here, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Here is the lie of Satan, that God is somebody to be afraid of. This lie is found in every world religion, and is etched deep within its worshipers. It is a desperate human longing to appease a wrathful, vengeful God and hope to God that at the end you might be saved. God is someone to be afraid of. This lie is penetrated into Islam, Judaism, and in Christianity as well. Satan has successfully wrapped the God's love in a, in a testament, in a t testimony of fear. People in every culture and every religion have learned to be afraid of God. Now, some of you remember the old time hell, fire, and preachers. They would tell you that if you didn't do this, if you didn't give your life to Christ, that you're going to go through eternal punishment. Uh, eternal is eternal, they say, and you'll be punished forever and ever. If you don't do this, this is the end result. And people have ever since have been afraid of God. They're afraid that if they're not doing the right thing, if they're not obeying the rules and the regulations, that something is going to happen to them that's going to be very, very bad. Every religion has instructions. It doesn't make any difference what religion it is worldwide. It has a book. It has instructions. And it tells you to obey the commands that are written in the book. And hope someday if your good outweighs your bad, then God will accept you. And so what do you do? Well, you try harder. Every year, New Year's, you make this resolution that I'm going to try harder. Either I'm going to try harder in my diet, I'm going to try harder at the gym, I'm going to try harder getting in shape, I'm going to try harder. And every year we go through this, and almost every time that I have been introduced to a friend or so, or I mean, introduced to somebody that hadn't known me before, and they find out that I'm a preacher, they always say this, somewhere in the conversation, well, I, I, I know I should be going to church. Uh, I, I know I should be. And my, my answer is always, why? Why do you think you should be going to church? Well, that's what I think I, I should be doing. And so most of us, we have grown up believing that we would eventually, through sincere diligence to change, 
and focus on a sanctified self-effort life that one day that God would accept me and love me. I guess the message that we've gotten is that I need to change from who I am to who I should be as a Christian. And if I study enough, if I pray enough, if I do enough good things, then maybe God will give me the strength to power on. God the Father promised through the Old Testament that he would explain to us that we could worship him without fear. In John 14, 7, the Bible says this, If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And notice in Matthew, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then the Bible says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then in John 6, verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now, does that sound like a God to be afraid of? We have been focusing on the book of Galatians these past few weeks. We've been studying about law and grace. We now know that it was Christ's death that brought the new covenant of grace. We have looked at scriptures that explain that being born again is more than just having your sins forgiven or having something added to your life. We've talked about the new heart, the new human spirit that God has given to us, but it's becoming someone that you have never been before, and that is a child of God. This is your foundation. Believe me when I say this. If you do not understand who you are in Christ, if you do not believe from your core that you are God's child, that he's accepted you just the way you are, he's not asking you to change, he will change you. If this is your foundation, then everything that you read in the Bible will begin to make sense. If it is not your, if it's not your foundation, Everything will be very, very confusing. You read the Old Testament and you'll see a God who is very strict. It's punishing. He punishes his people if they don't do right. You read the New Testament and all of a sudden you have a different God, it seems like. One that's compassion. One that loves. You'll be confused as you go through the Bible if the foundation isn't your identity in Christ. I can't overemphasize that. The, very, the most important thing about, about our Christian experience is believing that foundation. 
that you are a child of God. Remember, the goal is not to change you. You've already been changed. The goal is simply maturing in Christ. The Bible says that we are already righteous. Made right by God. The moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You are a new creature in Christ, the Bible says. You are no longer who you were. Even on your worst day, you are not that way. At your core, you are rock solid with Christ. Freedom is a central theological concept in the book of Galatians. Freedom is the heart of the gospel. If you are not free, you do not understand the gospel. So we pick up where we left off last week, and that is Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We don't try to improve the flesh. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. The flesh is those old worldly patterns of thinking, reacting, and behaving. When the Bible refers to the flesh, it is that. It is that old worldly patterns. The flesh is not who we are. We are a new creation who sometimes walk by the flesh. When we do, we go against who we really are in Christ. We will never entirely be free of fleshly thinking this side of heaven. The Bible tells us to set our minds on things that are above. It's called the renewing of the mind. So the flesh is a way we think at times. But it's not who we are. The moment that we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we were changed deep, deep at our core. We are a new person in Christ. We may not feel new. We may not act new. But the Bible says that we are new. Paul is saying that flesh has already been put to death. The moment that you accepted Christ, your flesh was put to death. The Bible says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Freedom is really, it's a wonderful thing to wake up every day and be free in Christ. Knowing that you are a child of God, knowing that if you make a mistake today, it really doesn't matter. You are growing in grace. We will spend our lifetime growing in grace. As a child of God, we're experiencing that renewing of the mind. So the flesh is a common enemy that God, a common enemy that, with God and with us, we share that enemy. God's Spirit empowers us and works with us, not against us, so that the flesh does not run our lives. Paul gives us, in Galatians 5, he gives us a list 
of the ways the flesh looks like. Just as in, in verse 21, it's just the end of it, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I cannot tell you how many times people have read this text and they say, well, that's me. That's me. I do it over and over and over again. I don't want to, but I find myself doing the same thing over and over again. But let me tell you the key to this text. The key is practice. Now, that's the key word. Now, those of you who might feel that all these things that are going through your mind and all these, all these bad thoughts and everything are your big issue, I've got news for you. They are not. The issue here is the word practice. Now, I read when Tiger Woods was just about nine years old that his father had him out at the driving range. And then even when he was in his prime. He was, he'd go to the practice ring and he would hit 400 golf balls in one session. 400. I get a bucket of 30 and I'm done for the day. 400. So, but when he began, we got to the place where he couldn't practice, he began to lose. Now, this text has nothing to do with losing your salvation. For I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who is the Bible speaking to? Is it speaking to the Christian? Is it speaking to the born-again Christian? Well, if you wake up every day and you practice being the best sinner on the planet, you can be sure that you are not born again. You can be sure that you still have a heart of stone. Now, those who belong to Christ, the Bible says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, here is something that you can do. The Bible says that you will crucify, that we crucify the flesh. How do we crucify the flesh? By walking in the Spirit. That's how we crucify the flesh. We want what God wants. We become obedient from the heart. We do not, we do not become obedient because of the law. The law tells us to do this. The law tells us to do that. No. We do not become obedient because we are fear. We're fearful of hell. No, that's not why we become obedient. We found Christ. The Bible says that he loved us first. He loved us, enabling us to love him. God wants us to want what he wants. In Romans 6, 17 and 18, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, 
you became slaves of righteousness. Now, I want us to think for just a moment here. I've given my life to Christ, and all of a sudden, the Bible tells me that I am freed from sin. I do sin, but the Bible says I'm free from sin. I'm free from the punishment of sin. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. So you've heard me say this over and over again. So sin is not the issue. If we have Christ, he has forgiven us our sins, not only forgiven us our sins, but he has forgotten them. And so now we finish our study in the last chapter of Galatians. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, we know, and, and it's happened to most of us, we know that if we were caught in a sin, they, we already are filled with regret. We're already telling ourselves, what in the world, why did I do such a thing as that? So we're already filled with regret. We already feel bad. And then Paul tells us the solution. Only a spiritual Christian. What does Paul mean by that? Well, only a spiritual Christian attempting to help someone to restore them to the faith, to restore them to the, to the church, they have to be, they, they should be a spiritual Christian. Why? Because only the spiritual are gentle. The closer we get to Christ, the more gentle we become. And so here, the Bible seems to be much more concerned about the sinner as he is the restorer. The principle is to love one another, restoring others in the spirit of gentleness. And then the Bible tells us we are to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to live in love of the Spirit. You see, love is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. The principle then is in restoring one who has drifted away, has fallen into sin, is by loving that person, coming alongside of that person. In verse 5 and 6, it says this, For each one will bear his own load, but some can't handle the load. That's what a church family is all about. We help each other. We bear each other's burdens. Then the Bible says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches them. Now, <clears throat> what Paul is saying is we need to celebrate the message. You know, a lot of Folks have used this as a, an accountability and responsibility between the congregation and the teachers. But the main message is 
We are to work together sharing Christ with the community. That's why we're here. That's why God put us here. We're to share Christ with the community. And that's what I mean. Sometimes I, I would wish, you know, 95% of the people, they don't go to church. And there's a reason they don't go. To go at church and hear how bad you are and how vengeful God is, you soon lose the energy to go to church. If you're, if you're, if you're hearing that it's all up to you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to conform to this, you need to conform to that, you don't want to hear that anymore. Uh, I know that, like I said, I wish I had a big sign out there, uh, the grace place, because it's about grace is, is, grace is a lifestyle. Grace living is grace giving. It, it affects every phase of our life. And so this is why I say that Paul put his emphasis on the message. His message to the Galatian people was, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has conned you into thinking that you can mix law and grace? Now, I mentioned before here that I spent four years just going through visiting different churches in West Virginia. And I've heard some good sermons. Don't misunderstand me. But it seems like at the end, it was some, I could almost tell the problem in the church. Somehow, they would throw everybody under the bus by law. They would start out with grace and finish with law. And you cannot do that. You only confuse people. You only get them all mixed up inside. Now, the Bible says here, <clears throat> do not be deceived. God is not marked. For whatever a man sows, this he also reaps. And this is true. What goes around comes around. We've all experienced it. When we go by the flesh, when we hear these, listen to these messages that go through our minds and, and we decided to focus on them, it's easy for us to go by the flesh. And when we go by the flesh, the first thing we do is regret it. And we find out that the Bible is right after all. The way of the transgressor is hard. There is no question about it. When we make bad choices, we suffer for them. What is our answer? Our answer to fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Get to know who he is, what he's all about, and what he thinks of you. And you know the Bible tells us very plainly, he thinks of you as a wonderful individual. He loves you, he, he knows your struggle, but he knows the answer to your struggle, and he is the answer. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us not, the Bible says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I wish that we could really focus on what the Bible is telling us. 
It says here that we are not to lose heart by doing good, but we should do good to all people. It doesn't make any difference whether they're a Christian, a Muslim. It doesn't make any difference. We're to do good to all people. But then the Bible says, especially the household of God. That is us here. We are the household of God. We ought to give special attention to the needs of the household of God. So, <clears throat> we would do well if we would follow that. Then we would, we would be available. We would want to help people. The Bible says, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised, simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now in Galatians, the Jewish, the Jewish Christians, they were trying to hang on to the law, and especially circumcision. But you go out throughout the Christian community today, and you'll find that there are people there who want to put you under the law. In other words, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that, you are doomed. This is not true. We are not saved by our theology. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. All in the Christian community, all are brothers and sisters. In Galatians, they were using psychological and physical ways to force people into membership. In fact, they felt that if you were circumcised, then you would be accepted by God and you would have a completion in your conversion. When an individual comes to Christ, when he says yes to God, God has given him everything he needs for life and for godliness at that moment. He is complete in Christ at that moment. Does he feel complete? Does he act complete? The answer is no. We are maturing in Christ. It takes us a while to understand how God works in us and through us. And that's what the Bible is all about. The Bible is all about giving your life to Christ, saying yes to Christ, allowing Christ to live in you and through you. We have to give God permission to do that. And we do that, hopefully we do that every day of our life. Hopefully we wake up in the morning and we say, God, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I give you permission to live your life through me to everyone I talk to, to everyone I see. I don't have to tell them that, uh, anything about Jesus Christ necessarily. I just have to love them no matter who they are and what they are. This is what God has called us to do. Too many times we hear the motive is, is, is freedom. But I want you to notice here, for those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. Now, have you ever heard this? Well, the reason I don't go there is because there's a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard that? The reason I don't go to church is they're filled with hypocrites. They say something, but they don't do anything about it. 
They say that you should do this and do that, but they do just the opposite. They, they do not even keep the laws themselves. So here the Jews are, 613 laws, and they tell them, this is, the, this is the book of the law, this is what you should do, this is what you should be doing on a daily basis. But no, I don't do it, no. This is something you should do. No wonder people see the hypocrisy in many Christian fellowships. Paul says their motive was fear. They were fearful of persecution. They could not and would not hold up to all the laws. Nobody has, nobody ever will. It's an impossibility. And that's why the Bible says that we are not under law, we are under grace. For those who walk by the rule, peace and mercy be upon Israel. What does that mean? For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. The Bible says here that circumcision or uncircumcision means nothing. Nothing. The only thing that means anything is whether you have experienced the new creation in Christ. That's, that's all. And if you are a born-again Christian, you are locked into Christ. The Bible says you are fused with him. You are in union with him. You are safe with him. And he loves you very much. That's what the gospel is all about. Paul's message to the church was his perfect love cast out fear. I hope that all of us realize that we are holy, that we are righteous, that we are forgiven saints in the arms of a loving God. Because that is the truth. We are safe. We are secure. Is all we have to do is get our eyes off of our own self, off of our performance, and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. When we do that, we are walking in the Spirit. When temptation comes, and it comes, whether it's the TV or whether it's a movie, whatever it may be, it comes. And these thoughts come through our mind. They come through, sometimes they come through a thousand miles an hour, it seems like. And sometimes you can be dead said, you can be reading the Bible. And I, this I've experienced. I can be reading the Bible and all of a sudden a bad thought will come through my mind. I thought, where did that come from? Where did that come from? These thoughts that come through our mind, that is the working of the flesh. That is the patterns that we have we have filled our minds with through the years. That's why I've often said, those who are born and bred and raised as Christians, they have a tremendous advantage over us who were not. A tremendous advantage. Their, their flesh is weak. Our flesh seems to be strong. And the more we're into sin, the more that we practice sin, the stronger it has become. And the Bible says to us that the key, the key to all of this is to focus on 
Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Not on who you think you are. The Bible tells us who we are. The Bible says that we are saints. The Bible says that we are holy. The Bible says that we are righteous. We are all those things the moment that we said yes to Christ and accepted him into our life. It's a wonderful way to live out life. Jesus Christ, when he came in, he came in to stay. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here for good, he says. I'm here for the rest of your life. Do you know that when you've been born again, you, you are not only rock solid. It's not only promised that he would never leave you for, for, nor forsake you. But he promised that he would guide you through this life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will counsel you. The Holy Spirit will, will encourage you. And the Holy Spirit will demonstrate how much God really loves you. We are in a wonderful place when we're in Christ. We're in an awful place when we're in the flesh. None of you are in the flesh. You may have fleshly thoughts come through your mind. You may, you may give in to some fleshly thoughts, but that's not you. You are born again. You are a child of God. Once you are a child of God, you will always be a child of God. You, that's, that's the difference. I often give the, the illustration of the caterpillar. The caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis and it becomes a butterfly. That butterfly can crawl if he wants to, but he doesn't have to because he can now fly. That's the same way with you and I. We become a butterfly. We can fly. We that are in Christ, we are free. The Bible says you are free indeed. You are free indeed. We are holy, righteous, forgiven saints. Praise the Lord for that. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the book of Galatians that you have reassured us. You have, you have told us everything that we needed to hear, that you love us, that you've forgiven us, that you've taken our sins and you've forgotten them, and that we are free. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the possibilities of how you're going to work and mature us into your image. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. Now bless us. Help us to have a wonderful day today. But Lord, help us to be mindful that we are your child. Help us to be mindful every day that we are your child. We are a child of the living God. Bless us to this end, I pray, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.